Welcome to the Astral Projection Podcast, brought to you by Ali Wiley. Hello everyone. Today I have Luis Minero with me, the President of the International Academy of Consciousness. Hello Luis, thank you for joining me today. It's very kind of you. Thank you, thank you, Ali, for the for the opportunity. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your work at the um, IAC? Yes, yes, I'm a, I'm a, an instructor here of the of the IAC, and basically our our objective is to you know do research on paranormal phenomena, especially on the out of body experience, mm-hmm. and that's one aspect. And then the other aspect is uh, to give classes to give, to help people to develop their own uh, their own skills and. You know, we we have uh, branches and different uh, centers pretty much all over the world, uh, Europe, all throughout the Americas. Uh, we give classes also to to Australia and Asia. And uh, I've been giving classes more or less for about uh, 19, 20 years uh, with with the IAC. And in terms of um, my experiences, out of party experiences, I started having them when I was uh, when I was 12. Oh, really? Uh, so I. Yeah, mm-hmm. spontaneously at the beginning, you know, I didn't know. I'm, I'm sure this happens to several people. I didn't know what the name of it, of them were or if other people did them or if everybody did them. Um, at the beginning, I just simply had them. And uh, it wasn't until maybe five or six years later that I uh, that the first book on out-of-party experiences, you know, fell in my fell in my lap, so to speak. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it wasn't really actually a, a book on out of party experiences, but the author was already referring to to astral travel, you know, as the as the term that he was using. And uh, so, little by little, I started to find more more books about it. I became interested on the subject, and then uh, obviously, when I bumped into my my IAC colleagues, uh, it just became very natural for me to 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 join them and to contribute in that uh, in that fashion. So, as a twelve-year-old, did you just sort of accept it all? You weren't scared at all. It was it's, was it something quite normal? Y- yes, yeah. it was. It was very normal, and actually, my experience was very very simple. So there was nothing scary about mm-hmm. it. Uh, and, and another thing that I think helped quite a bit uh, in, in retrospect is the fact that I had the out-of-body experience during the day. So everything there was light all around, and um, you know there wasn't anything shady or scary. Well, that's about right, because I think sometimes we can be scared of the dark, and I think just for the fact that we tend to OBE at night time when we're asleep is a little bit negative in a way because we have this natural like fear of the dark, don't we sometimes? And it yes, can influence, we do. yeah. You know. Yeah, even, even even in the physical reality, you know, many times I say that if we wake up in the middle of the night and we go for a cup of water, you know, we go very slow. If we hear a pack <laughs> yeah. on the window, we're already thinking, who's there? Did I close it? And if it happens during the day, we just simply walk very confidently, you know, that knowing that, you know, there's nobody there and it's just simply, a, you know, a little noise and that's it. So so that, that really helped, the fact that it, it, it happened during the day. Yeah, I'd like to have an OB during the day, actually, but I haven't been that lucky yet because all mine occur at night because I started having OBs when I had young children, so the only time that I could practice was at night, really. Um, when, right. they, when they grow up and leave home, I'll, I'll be able to do it during the day as well, and that would be very nice, I think. It must be quite nice to OBE during the day. It is, it is. It, it's, it, it's just simply different, of course, uh, and, and, and that certainly, you know, helped me you know at the beginning uh i really didn't think much of them i just simply had it i knew that i had had a a very different experience 
But, um, you know, as a 12-year-old, I really didn't uh, understand what were the, the consequences or the ramifications. Probably after that, somebody must have called me to go have dinner or go play soccer. And I probably put it completely out of my mind. And I, I didn't think about it until I had another one maybe eight months later or, 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 or something like that. Uh, so really, I didn't, I didn't understand the consequences that, uh, yeah. that could come with it. Um, one of the quotes at the beginning of your book I quite liked from Einstein, um, you do not really understand something unless you can explain it to your grandmother. Uh, that was a quote by Einstein. I thought that was quite fun. Even though grandmothers can understand complex conversations and explanations, I thought that was right. um, quite good because it, it sort of emphasises the need we have for simple explanations of these things that happen to us, like out-of-body experiences. So how would you define an out-of-body experience in simple terms? Yeah, I, I would say it's a, it's a disconnection from the body. Mm-hmm. It's a disconnection of this other uh, aspect of us. I know we were just talking about terms, you know, um, yeah. of this other body that normally, or I guess more popularly, has received the name of the astral body. That's right, uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, the astral body disconnects from the physical body and our consciousness or the seat of our consciousness, you know, goes with the astral body. And then we are now using this other body and we can have real experiences where, while our physical body sleeps. And then we, you know, these experiences, they can be long or they can be short. They can be in different uh, realities. And um, But the entire experience is what we would call, you know, an out-of-body experience and uh Eventually, the, the person returns to its physical body and can remember the experience uh, as it happens in many cases, or in certain instances, it, it, in, you know, it's not able to. You, we did mention about astral, though you mentioned the astral body. Uh, one of the popular terms that we use now is astral projection, which um, yeah. is probably the most popular, but it's not the most correct, really, because it implies that you're only actually going to the astral plane and there are yeah. other planes and other bodies. Can you just give a quick explanation of the different bodies that the IAC um, uses, like there's the etheric body or the energy body, then there's the astral, emotional, and etc. Right. right. The, 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 the four bodies that we see is, of course, the physical body. That, mm-hmm. uh, I guess it's the easiest one to, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to see, <laughs> and the one that needs the least explanation. That's right. Uh, then we have the energetic body or etheric body, or sometimes in our in our in our books, people are going to find the term energosoma, mm-hmm. which basically just means energy body, which is this uh, body that extends outwards from the physical body, maybe about um, maybe about three to five centimeters, and it surrounds our physical body completely. And it's also the the body that holds all the energy centers and the energy connections that connect the physical body to the astral body or to the um, yeah to the astral body mm-hmm. or psychosoma or emotional body or body of the wishes, which is the the uh, the the body with which we do you know ninety nine percent of our out of body experiences. Yes. So so the the astral body is. Um, you know, looks it's almost like a mold of energies that looks uh, exactly like our physical body to almost to the most minute detail. It seems, you know, even that uh, little scar that we have from when we fell off the bike when we were five years old, the astral body seems to have it. You know, in the when, when we when we are projecting with it. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's because I 
I was a very bumpy child. How were you? I have a few <laughs> scars here and there. I wasn't a very bumpy child. I didn't really get many scars. So I, I don't think I could test that out on myself because I wouldn't know what to look for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I do. I have a, a couple of, of, of scars in my wrist and another one in my in my chin. That I, oh, really? <laughs> they're very, very obvious. <laughs> and... Uh, and then, and then the other the the other body that we see also. So with the astral body, you know, you you can go to what people like to call the astral dimensions, but also to other non-physical dimensions. So it has quite a range of of manifestations, so to speak. And then we have the mental body or the intellectual body, the mental soma, which is already um, a body that basically doesn't have any shape. We don't have any any arms or legs or a trunk or a head. And uh, then that one manifests in what we call the mental body, and which our experiences start usually take a little bit longer to to develop, but uh, just as well, you know, it's a, it's another body that you observe, that you see, and that obviously you also have these these experiences in these uh, mental dimensions. So in essence, it's four bodies, right? The yeah. physical, the energetic, the astral body or psychosoma. Really, it's are our, our, our more correct term I guess psychosoma and then the mental soma the mental body and can we travel in each of these well we can't obviously in the physical body but can we leave our bodies and have conscious experiences in the the three other bodies the etheric the astral and the mental yeah what what we see is that we in terms of the projections Mm -hmm. or of the out-of-body experiences we can travel in the mental body and in the in the astral body in the the energy body actually we don't we don't see that we disconnect with it mm-hmm. while it carries the consciousness so uh, we don't have exactly a projection with it but what we what can happen and many times we do is many times people are able to like expand their energetic body and perceive things at a distance and then uh, return those energies to their body and that brings them information about wherever the energies went, but that it doesn't seem like the consciousness, in essence, you know, goes with this energetic body. Yeah, okay. And while we're on the subject of definitions, a question that often comes up in various groups on internet is, what is the difference between an OBE, or a lucid projection, and a lucid dream? Yes, 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 yes. That, that, that is actually a very a very common question. Mm. You know, what, what we see is that the dream, of course, or... or Better yet, before getting to the lucid dream, the dream, is, it seems to be something that is mainly produced by the brain. And, you know, um, it, it ha- all of the functions, obviously, we don't, we don't fully know them, but uh, it seems to be, you know, related to a reorganization of memories and reorganization of um, sort of like the activities of the physical day. Now, what happens is that when we are sleeping, we can be very, very aware of the dream, which is what we call a lucid dream. And then... They, they have certain characteristics. We can be very, very aware to the point to which we can control the dream, and we can uh, change with what we're dream- we, we can change the environment of what we're dreaming with. And um, even though our rationality, our logic, our you know our thoughts can be very clear, the dream is something that we are controlling completely, and we can change the color of the walls, or we can change the place where we are, in, without us necessarily moving. Now, the out-of-body experience is an experience in which we have disconnected from the, from the physical body. And then what we are observing is, uh, for all intended purposes, an objective reality, which is not necessarily being produced by our brain. 
So uh, if I don't move from a specific location, if I don't change dimension in, a, in an out-of-body experience, I can wish, for example, you know, for my the walls of my bedroom to look red or to or for them to disappear and for Hawaii to appear. And unless I travel to Hawaii, I will be in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the walls really don't change. So it's, it's uh, the, ex- the non-physical environment is not so much a projection of my brain as, as, as much as it is really a reality that it's already there. While in the lucid dream, it's something that, yes, it is a projection of my brain and I can control it, you know, uh, and change it and modify it, you know, at, at will, basically. Um, another question that pops up a lot is, are OBEs dangerous? Are they dangerous? Dangerous, yes. yeah. You know, um, no, no, not really. We would say, you know, or better yet, I would say probably 99% of the out-of-party experiences, people don't don't have any danger and they don't uh, see anything that would uh, impact them negatively, I would say. Uh, what happens is that... Um, you know that also we, we also start to think about the, the problem of interpretations and how people interpret certain out of body experiences first of all and second of all also uh, where is it that people are uh, are going um, so you know there is a, a, a range of you know of, of things there um, sometimes leaving the body just because it's a very sometimes different environment and um, uh, we are not used to it. You know, even the most simple out-of-body experience can seem scary to certain people, uh, especially the first times. Of course, even sometimes without actually leaving the body, the sensations of disconnection from the body can already be very scary, unfortunately, for, for some people. And uh, But that doesn't mean necessarily that they, are, that they are dangerous. They are just simply, you know, something that we need to get used to, to a certain extent. Um, and then... You know, in terms of the out-of-body experience, the astral body itself doesn't really get get hurt, doesn't or doesn't really get damaged. I should say, you know, nothing really is going to happen to it. And um, uh, however, you know, sometimes we may run into certain situations that might be um, not the most comfortable ones. And <laughs> yes. actually, I, yes, and actually, I would say outside the body, they are even even more easily managed managed because we can return to the physical body, you know, very very fast. Or you know, or again, if we know that the psychosoma, and we're very clear that the psychosoma or the astral body doesn't get damaged, you know, we go with a lot more confidence into those uh, you know uh, situations. But uh, so I would say, actually, it's a it's a lot safer, uh, but a lot, a lot, a lot safer than the physical reality, than you know, driving, for example. Oh, or, tell me about you know, it. I drive in Italy. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, there yeah. are certain acti- certain activities you know that we do here in the physical reality. Now, to say that it's a hundred percent safe, it's it's difficult because I don't know if there is any activity mm. <laughs> in the world that is. But certainly, I would say it's a, it's a, a lot more, more more safer than the physical reality and the and the most of the physical activities that we do here. Something that many times I put in uh, we we mention, and I think I mentioned this in my book, is that uh, you know if uh, since what we observe is that people already disconnect from their physical body every night as they sleep. It's just that uh, normally they are unaware, they are unconscious, you know, as, as they are sleeping. If leaving the body were, were dangerous, then sleeping would be dangerous. That's true, Because yes. we already <laughs> spend all this time, you know, outside the body. 
So uh, I'm sure that probably people and, you know, people who listen to this later, they're, they, they probably consider sleeping one of the safest activities that oh, they in do, fact, yes. <laughs> you know, during the day. So, um, so yeah, that, that sort of like helps to put it in the perspective that is something that is very, very safe. Yes, because I don't think many people realize that we all actually leave our bodies anyway. It's just that many of us don't, are not conscious when we do it or we don't remember um, right. so some people seem to think it's a gift that some people have that other people don't, which is not true, is it? it it's not true in the, in the sense that, you know, it's not something that just simply fell out of the sky. But what we see is that, you know, we always sort of like need to develop that skill. Yeah. And some people just simply have developed it before, as in, for example, in a, in a previous existence. And, um, and of course, you know, we all have had sort of like different trajectories and uh, all of us, we have certain skills, you know, that uh, seem to come much easier to us. Mm. Um, that sometimes it didn't need to be an out-of-body experience. Some people are very good at music. Some That's people right, are very yeah. good you know, in analysis. Uh, some people are very patient, while other, others, you know, they still need to develop it a little bit. So, uh, so in that sense, it doesn't seem to be a gift. It just seems to be, you know, something that people already developed uh, beforehand. Yes, it's something that everybody can develop once they put their minds to it and practice, obviously. Um, I believe the best way to understand anything is to experience it. And you put a great deal of emphasis on this on your, in your book, the value of personal experience and trusting your own experiences and not simply believing what other people tell you. Um, yes. I think this is a very important point. Can you elaborate on this? Yes, yes, yes. You know, there, there, there are several things there to mention. And, 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 and certainly I, I, I agree with that, you know. Uh, first of all, maybe starting even with that phrase that we like to mention in English. I'm sure many people have heard that, you know, uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. And then uh, obviously trying to mention that, you know, uh, an image, you know, has so many details that if we start to describe it, you know, we can write a book. Yeah. But what is interesting is that an experience is made up of a thousand pictures. That's right. Yeah. So... so <laughs> So, you know, I, I, I sort of like use that, uh, that, that phrase because um, when, you know, we can, we can write a book. I, even in my book, I think I mentioned this. Uh, we can write a book. We can describe many, many details about it. And, of course, the level of understanding or at least uh, the effort in, in trying to make it understandable, you know, is there. And I'm sure everybody, uh, you know, can understand the concepts. But really, the um, sort of like the real understanding, the deep understanding, the real control over the experience will only come once the person is having its own experience. And, and then it starts to, to realize a lot of different details, like, you know, how the energetic environment outside the body works, you know, how certain non-physical objects, you know, actually work, even though you already might know the, the theory, and it is helpful, of course. You know, um, it's a very different thing once you're already outside the body, you know, uh, how you feel at the moment, how aware you are at the moment, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that is, of course, one, one, one very key aspect. And then the other thing with regards to not, not believing is that I would say all of the theory, you know, we should try to take it um, and, of course, the, sort of like a store it and keep it as reference. But it's very important for all of us to be sort of like um, almost like an independent researcher, you know, going mm -hmm. out, an independent explorer, if, if you will, going out and trying to, to test things and to see if we can find, you know, the gaps. Because in essence, you know, the, the, the information regarding out-of-body experiences, it's, 
it's in its baby steps. If we, if we can call this, you know, a, a form of study or even a science, you know, uh, it's it's really really in its baby steps. We we still need, I guess, decades, centuries, you know, of accumulation yes. of information <laughs> to start to 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 understand it a lot better. Obviously. Yes, because in the past, a lot of the experiences weren't even written down, were they? Because people were afraid that they'd be called a witch or, you know, this sort of thing. So people probably didn't talk, at least in the Western world anyway, um, didn't talk about it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then, you know, in uh, I think that even in my book, um, you know, in the introduction, I say I, I, I wish I could bottle up the experience and put, a lot, put it on the book. Of course, I'm going to do the best I can to describe <laughs> it. But uh, I, I know that there is no way to, to explain, you know, the, the sensations that you feel there, the, I don't know, the levels of awareness, the richness of the experience, the moment that you are there, and words simply don't do, don't do justice to that. No, that's why experience is so important. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out learnobes.com for information on the IAC courses, both online and off. And I'll see you over at www.astralwings.com. Happy travels.